This is Dalio's Principles, a philosophical examination. The unofficial podcast companion for Ray Dalio's book, Principles. This podcast will deeply explore the book and principles. The podcast is hosted by Micah Bays and John Sextro. Micah has a PhD in philosophy and has taught numerous college philosophy courses, including The Meaning of Life, Ethics, and Reason and Argument. John shares his perspective from years of experience trying to live out Ray's principles in his life and work. And you can follow us on Twitter. Micah is at Micah Bays, all one word. And I am at John Sextro, all one word. And now, this week's episode. I'm Micah Bays. I'm John Sextro. And we're back again with Dalio's Principles of Philosophical Examination. In our episode today, Micah, we're going to be talking about Principle 3.3 in Ray's book, Principles. And this principle says, appreciate the art of thoughtful disagreement. You know, Micah, for listeners that are reading along with us, they may already have the book. Um, For some that, that don't have the book, something I'm going to include in our show notes this week is a link to principles.com that will redirect you to the book. So the a lot of the book is out there publicly available. Actually, I think the whole book is out there publicly available. And if you follow Ray on any of the social media platforms at all, I follow him, I think, on Twitter and LinkedIn, you'll get links occasionally from him that will link over to the book. And that's how I found these. So I just will, I'll share those, at least I'll share a link to this particular, I'll share a link to this particular principle so that you can go out there and if you want to reread or uh, keep reading the book online. All right, got that out of the way. So let's jump in and start talking about this principle in particular. I found it interesting how this was stated as appreciate the art of thoughtful disagreement. So break that down for a second. The art, meaning that this isn't exactly a science, so there's there's room to um, maneuver here. There's, it's not that there's there's a physical or physics based rules or anything governing how this can go. You know, you're sort of feeling your way through some of this. It's just not as cut and dried as some of us might like it to be. And then thoughtful disagreement. The thoughtful part of it, I think, is important, very important to the principle here. And we're going to talk a lot about it because it's the main topic. But thoughtful, you know, that means, well, anybody can just disagree and say you're wrong or question you. But there's something more there in terms of the thoughtfulness. And I had sort of alluded to this in our last episode when we covered principle 3.2. One of the sub principles was to be clear on whether you are arguing or seeking to understand. And this, uh, again, this is important when you're working on appreciating the art of thoughtful disagreement, because you really need to be clear (laughs) about this as you're getting ready to thoughtfully disagree with someone. Am I disagreeing just to disagree? Am I trying to seek to understand which of which one is it? And we'll, we'll talk some more about how to thoughtfully disagree with folks. Micah Ray says in the book, 
when two people believe opposite things, chances are one of them is wrong. <laughs> that seems pretty obvious. What do you what are your thinkings about this? Yeah, so when he says that chances are that one of them is wrong, you know, I kind of just want to take that chances are out of it and just say when two people believe opposite things, one of them is wrong. So part of this comes from, you know, in philosophy there's a rule of logic which is what's called the principle of non-contradiction where you know if you have a statement and it's opposite one of them has to be true and the other has to be false they can't both be true right if they're truly saying opposite things then there's no way for both of them to be true now i think some people might have in mind well what about like value judgments um and if granted we get into some more you know so for example if one person says I believe abortion is wrong. And another person says, I believe abortion is morally okay. Um, Some people might think, well, these are just value judgments. And so it could be true for one person, true and false for another. Or, you know, thing like beauty, there's a kind of common phrase, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. And so you might think, right, if I look at a painting and I say, that's beautiful. And John looks at the painting and, he says, that's ugly. You might say, well, look, they're saying opposite things or maybe even to make this more clear, right? I say that painting is beautiful. And John says that painting is not beautiful, right? They were clearly saying opposite things. You might think, well, can't they both be right? Well, here we just have to be careful with our language in that if beauty really is, you might say, relative to the beholder, that statement, that painting is beautiful as a part of really understanding what is being said there, you really have to include the reference to the person who's saying it, right? So really it's kind of the claim, Micah thinks that painting is beautiful. Whereas when John says it, he's actually saying, John thinks that painting is not beautiful. So in this case, we actually have two different statements. So maybe that's what Ray had in mind when he had that kind of clarification or qualification of chances are, you know, in thinking about those kinds of phrases where someone says something is beautiful and someone else says it's not beautiful. But what I would want to say is in that case, they don't believe opposite things because they're really talking about two different things, right? What Micah thinks of the painting and what John thinks of the painting. And those are two separate things. Uh, but anyways, this is just a, more of a lesson in the principle of non-contradiction. Right. In philosophy, the idea is if you have a statement that something is true and a statement that is false, one of those has to be true and one of those has to be false. Yeah, I understand that. I I can absolutely see where that's coming from and how you described it, Micah, makes perfect sense to me. Um, I do see that, you know, when you look at it from less of a a sort of a grayer area or you look at it from a fuzzy logic perspective that then you can start to understand how, well, maybe, maybe the people aren't totally opposed to each other or that uh, in, in this case, one person could, could sort of also sort of be right. Someone else is, is also sort of right. Uh, but there isn't a, one particular person that's entirely right and entirely wrong unless it's, unless it's something that has a clear, a clearly defined answer. I think a lot of these things being driven from 
raise world of stock markets, stock funds, hedge funds, all of that stuff. You know, a lot of it is like the price of the stock is going to go down or the price of the stock is going to go up. And if I argue it's going down, you argue or you you disagree and say it's going up, then okay, one of us is going to be right. One of us is going to be wrong. Not everything in life is quite that black and white. So let's let's go deeper, Micah, then into thoughtful disagreement. And again, this isn't just this isn't just disagreement. The real point of this is is thoughtful. So why why thoughtful disagreement? What is the goal for us to have thoughtful disagreement? Yeah, you know, for Ray, right? Ultimately, what we're wanting to get at is the truth, right? Again, um, just keeping in mind his larger project that you know he's trying to help everyone be successful, and so he's he's trying to explain what it is that's helped him be successful. And one of the important things for him is getting at the truth and not just believing what you believe because that's what you currently believe, but you want to put yourself in a position where you can best find out what's actually true. And so the point of right thoughtful disagreement is you don't want to just disagree with people and you don't want to just contradict them, right? Where you say one thing, they say the other, and there's just back and forth. Now it's about, okay, we we recognize we disagree. Is there a way in which we can figure out why it is that each of us believes different things? And through that process, can we increase the chance that we figure out what's actually true, right? Because, you know, maybe by understanding why each of us believes different things, we might realize that our beliefs are based on something that's false or something that's not clearly true or not obvious or depends on some, maybe you might say skewed data, something like that. Through this process of thoughtful disagreement, the idea is, hey, let's actually find out what's true. Let's not just stick to our guns um, about what we each believe, but let's try and figure out what's actually true regarding this disagreement. Also, the thoughtfulness aspect of it is that you're going to be uh, like polite. It's it's a matter of being professional, polite and professional, what they call calm and what Ray refers to as calm collegial and respectful. I had to look collegial up because <laughs> I didn't know really what that meant. I thought, is this meaning like college something? No, it, it means collegial means involving shared, some sort of shared responsibility where specifically it's relating to like colleagues or coworkers. So you're, you're, you're doing this in a way where uh, you're not damaging trust. You're not damaging that relationship. That's the thoughtful part of it to be calm, to be, to be measured, to be professional and and not just disagreeing because you you want your point of view to win out the day. You're doing it like you mentioned to get to what's really true, to get to what's the better answer. Yeah. So collegial, right? Part of that, you know, that shared responsibility, right? Essentially, I think it's seeing each other as being in the same boat in a sense that hey, we're in this together. We're both trying to figure out what's true. It's not me versus you, but it's us together trying to figure out you know, what the truth is, you know, kind of one interesting thing about this is, so one, this, uh, just principle as a whole got me a little excited, just reminds me of, you know, just the, uh, environment of philosophy that I had been in for so long. 
And certainly there was a lot of disagreement in philosophy, but that dis- disagreement wasn't always thoughtful disagreement in the sense of what Ray's talking about here. It was thoughtful in some senses as far as like intellectual powers going at it, right? People disagreeing and trying to show why they're right and the other person is wrong, but it all- wasn't always in that collegial mode, that respectful mode, not always in that calm mode. In fact, there's discussion in academic philosophy. You know, there's concerns about maybe the way in which some of the philosophical debates that go on, whether it's in journals or whether it's in presentations or you have a guest lecturer, you know, a philosopher goes to another department and uh, shares a paper that they have. And then there's debate about what ideas they're arguing for. Some of that debate can be rather combative and it's not collegial. It's not. A friendly environment. And there's a concern that one, it's not maybe the best way in which to get at truth. I think partly because when it becomes combative, people tend to become more defensive and then they become less open to being corrected or recognizing that the other side actually had it right. Right? They just kind of stick their heels in the ground and so less likely to make a change towards the truth if they see that they are actually in the wrong. There's also a concern about maybe that way of engaging in debate has pushed some minorities away from uh, the philosophy profession. Certainly one of the questions is women in philosophy. Certainly, you know, if you look at the numbers of people who are in philosophy, it's males by a significant majority. And one of the questions is, to what degree is that a result of the style in which philosophers engage in as they debate different topics, right? Is it because it's in part so combative? Partly this principle is interesting to me because of that, um, just how it, the contrast with this topic that's coming up in philosophy as a whole. Yeah, I, I mean, I definitely think of when I when the, the term philosopher comes to mind, I'm thinking of old white men with white hair in togas around, you know, uh, Roman... <laughs> Roman ar- artifacts, you know, yelling at each other in the, in the town square or something. And maybe that, maybe that's the vision that, that most people have of, of philosophy. Obviously we're in a completely different world today. We're not walking around in the togas and the, in the Roman artifacts. You're not, but I'm not at least <laughs> fortunately for yeah. everyone else around seen me. me wearing a toga to work, John. No, I, well, I mean, we're we're currently working from home, so togas might be encouraged. But to your point, I mean, I I think of philosophy as being very, very argumentative, uh, a lot of disagreement, because there's a lot of really chewy stuff. Uh, 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 there's a lot of room to 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 disagree. There's a lot of room to have opinion. There's a there's a lot of room to challenge those opinions. But what I hear you saying, Micah, is that the combative nature of it can be off-putting to many who aren't willing to, aren't willing to go to that length. And when you say combative, do you mean it's, it becomes like nasty or harmful, or is it just that it's, it remains civil, but it's just very passionate, maybe even loud voices or raised voices or, or loud tones, or is it actually getting to the point where, you know, it's, um, street fighting, (laughs) if you will, like calling names and that sort of thing. 
Uh, you can definitely find both. Wow. And I think, yeah, I mean, certainly the bigger concern is when it does get more, get, I'm just going to say the weasel word here, but too passionate, people too loud or, you know, that sort of thing. Now, granted, right, there are some people who might be, uh, you might say, scared off of or scared off from philosophy just because they're unwilling to have their own ideas questioned. That's not the concern here. The concern is, you know, just, yeah, the combative, the maybe sometimes mean-natured style of debate, maybe the degree of emotion that can sometimes come into the debates, right? Because, you know, as Ray points out here, you want to be calm, and uh, not all philosophical arguments are calm. Yeah, calm would be preferred. I think that I think there's room to be thoughtful while not being calm. I think there's room to be thoughtful while also being passionate. Like, I don't feel like some of those things are, and, and, and to be, to be respectful, to, but also to be very passionately conveying your point of view. But you, I, I don't think you can cross the line to name calling or getting nasty or um, yelling at someone. I mean, those, those things to me all, all speak to not being thoughtful or not uh, certainly not being collegial, not being respectful. So I, I, I think it's a fine line and I'm not trying to weasel out of it in any way, but that there's room for passion. There's room for passionate, thoughtful disagreement. And sometimes that's what you want. Obviously there are other times where it's not what you want. You know, I've seen families and had in my experience in families where, I would have very passionate, thoughtful disagreement with members of my family about all kinds of topics. And I looked forward to those because to me, they were fun. It was, it was interesting. And I would seek that person out always at family functions and be like, okay, let's, let's have a thoughtful, passionate disagreement about this thing. And that person liked it too. But you know, not everyone, like you've said, is going to be wanting to do that. And we would be able to do it time and time and time again. And it never got out of control or uh, we, we never got angry with, with one another. That's the key. You have to be in the right mindset for it. And uh, not everyone maybe has that, maybe has that ability or even has a desire to be in that situation. So it just depends on the person. Yeah. And I think this goes back in part to, you know, you talked about, well, the principle is right. The art of thoughtful disagreement and that we probably can't draw just a, a line, right. And say, you know, here's exactly what it looks like. And, you know, part of it is probably going to depend on particular circumstances of that conversation as far as, you know, like how much passion is appropriate. I think a lot of it is, you know, you can be passionate, but you don't want to lose, you might say the good natured attitude as you're having that passionate discussion. Right. If you can still, you might say, smile with the other person as you're having the discussion, right? If they know that you are still intending the best for them, right? That they see you're not wanting to belittle them or put them down by just trying to find why their argument is bad or why their position is bad. But if they can essentially, yeah, just trust you and sense that you respect them as you're discussing, right? That may allow for a little bit more passion. As long as you're still communicating that, you might say good nature towards the other person. And in the principle before this, you know, Micah Ray talked about the role of empathy. 
where do you think empathy comes and extends into this one? I think very much. Where do you think empathy plays or needs to introduce itself, become evident, become <laughs> put to use when we're thoughtfully, when we're, when we're appreciating the art of thoughtful disagreement? Yeah, I think, you know, maybe one way here is start to think about how is it that you would want someone to, might say, thoughtfully disagree with you? What attitudes would you want them to have? Uh, what would be the way in which they would talk with you and to you? And then as you think about, as you identify what those characteristics are, then you'd want to apply those to yourself and ask, you know, am I treating the other person in those ways? You know, am I engaging them in my engaging in disagreement with those same characteristics. Absolutely. And there's a common practice that I learned years ago and it was, it was referred to at that point as active listening. This, this process where you, when you're listening to someone, the goal for you is to, the goal for you at that point is to listen, to understand what the other individual is saying. In a lot of cases, we get caught up when someone else is talking, thinking about, okay, what am I going to say now? What am I going to say next? How should I counter this person's point? Rather than being very explicit about understanding what they're saying and focusing on that and then demonstrating to that person that I understand what they're saying. And as part of active listening, the the suggestion is to uh to restate the other person's perspective so that you can show you're empathizing with them you're you're restating their point of view shows empathy further it shows that you listened that you heard that you could sort of put into your own words their point of view and their perspective it's very important to conveying to another person that you've heard what they've said. Yeah. I mean, I'm probably just reiterating what you said here, but yeah, one, the, just the value of expressing to them or demonstrating to them that you have listened to them. So by reiterating what they have said to them, right. It shows that you are act, you know, actively taking into account what they're saying, right. You're genuinely trying to understand them. Right. So that's one value of reiterating it. Second is that it very well may identify where you misunderstand each other, right? So many times when people disagree, it's because they misunderstand what each other's positions are. And um, so when you engage in that and you tell them what you think they've just said, you may quickly realize that you actually don't disagree. You're just talking about different things. Very true. And you, we can commonly run into circumstances where, again, we're not listening. We're just talking past each other. I'm speaking you're not listening to me. What you're doing is thinking about the next thing you're going to say. Then you're speaking. Now I'm just thinking about the next thing that I'm going to say and trying to find that, that right opportunity to jump in. So Micah Ray also talks about this two minute rule. What is that all about? Uh, That's something I really like (laughs) in part. um, I think I'm not always the best at communicating because I'm worried that someone else will jump in. And so what I might want to do is instead of giving a summary of my position and then explain it in further detail, I'm so worried that if I give that 
brief summary of it. And that summary doesn't capture all the qualifications and the detail. I'm worried that they're going to misunderstand me. And so, and then they would just jump in and say, well, here's why that position is wrong. One of my problems is I will start off by listing out the full detailed qualified statements about my position. And then I'll say it at the end. But the problem is people have a hard time, understandably, following all those qualifications and details because they don't know what my position is yet. Whereas if people would follow this two-minute rule, the idea is allow someone two minutes to explain or defend their view before interrupting. People would feel the freedom to kind of give just a brief statement of their position and then more fully explain it, right, and make the qualifications they feel like are important to understanding their view. And I think it also, right, helps the listener know, okay, I don't need to worry about trying to break in here and say my two cents. This person has the floor for two minutes, so I might as well sit back and listen to what they actually have to say instead of just trying to figure out when I can jump in. Exactly. And I I like this one a lot too. Mike, I, I like you said it it sort of puts some put some fencing in place to allow for for that thinking to allow for for the the completion of of someone's thought. And what's tough when you're having when you're having a debate or a disagreement, what's tough is people wanting to get back in. They want to get back into the conversation and they they want to jump in sometimes accidentally over someone else. I I very very rarely think someone is is actually trying to cut someone else off. I'm sure it happens. But I've found that you have to have the emotional intelligence, the awareness when that occurs to pause the to re sort of repause the conversation. You've had the floor, you know, it's it, you're still speaking. If someone has jumped in on you, you want to say, "Excuse me. Hang on. Can I could I finish what I'm saying?" almost a hundred percent of the time the other person goes, Oh my gosh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to talk over you. Yes, please finish what you're saying. And so I found that to be a, a good tactic. It's, I find it hard, uh, you know, sharing that it's difficult for me to, to do that, to, to jump back in and go, excuse me, uh, could I finish my statement just because I, I feel like I'm then cutting them off again. So, but it's something to think about. And then, Two minutes. I mean, you, you would think of two minutes. Well, two minutes isn't that long. But I will tell you that when, you know, I've been podcasting for uh, eight years now, doing this for eight years. And when I started, if you would have said to me, give someone two minutes to talk, I would have said, two minutes is nothing. Like I could talk for two minutes, no problem. But then <laughs> try and do it. <laughs> two minutes is actually a lot of time for. For the average person, most people can can pretty much say their piece on on a on a on a topic or make a statement on a topic in two minutes, no problem. Now, <laughs> believe me, there are plenty that can go on for much longer, but two minutes is a is a really reasonable amount of time to give someone a chance to to make their point. Right, and you know, I think one it. The two-minute rule maybe encourages people to be more succinct when they do tend to be a rambler. They know, oh, okay, I better say the important stuff right up front. And I also think it does maybe give enough time to lay out their position where people might be able to say, oh, you know, we've heard two minutes, but we can tell you've got more 
you know, so far what you've said is really good. Can we listen? You know, what else do you have to say about it? Right. So kind of gives you an opportunity to evaluate, you know, how helpful, um, how important, how valuable is the content uh, of their speaking. Yeah. And that gets into the point of time. You said time here. We're talking about two minutes. A lot of people might argue, they might disagree thoughtfully with us, Mike, and say, why do this? Because all I see is that it's going to take me and my coworkers a lot longer to discuss something, to get to a decision. Is it really worth it? Is it worth the extra time? Is it worth the extra effort to, you know, to be thoughtful, to be calm, collegial? Couldn't I just short circuit this whole thing by getting to the right answer faster? And, you know, even if I hurt somebody's feelings or why, why spend the extra time? What do you think, Micah? Why, why, why should we spend the extra effort? Why should we spend the extra time on this? There is, you know, some truth to what they've said, right? As far as, you know, it can be time consuming. You know, Ray admits that it can be time consuming. And again, we're back to that whole art thing in that it's not as though you should always engage in thoughtful disagreement with people. There are going to be some people who disagree with you that you just don't have time to disagree with them. You know, as Ray talks about, he says it makes sense to engage with people who are, as he puts it right, believable on the subject matter. Just because you're, (laughs) this is a silly example, right? But just because your five-year-old disagrees with you about some topic, like, I don't know what the capital of California is or something, you don't have to necessarily engage in a thoughtful disagreement with them about that. Um, or about everything. And so there's this cost benefit analysis that you do need to do. And you have to ask, is engaging in thoughtful disagreement going to make me more likely to get at the truth? And then part of this is just, especially when you think about making business plans or life plans, discussion doesn't have to take an incredibly long amount of time, right? It could be 30 minutes or an hour. Maybe it's you know an hour here and then you put it on ice for a little bit or use some time to do a little bit more research and then you come back. But depending on the topic, it may very well be worth putting an hour or two in when that decision is something that's going to affect you for days or weeks. So for example, my team at work, you know, we were looking at um, some software features that we might add. um, And we took, I think probably about 30 minutes to do a decision map of that possibility. And we looked at what were the positives and negatives? What would we have to do to actually make it happen? At the beginning of the discussion, most of the people were in favor of doing the software features. And then as we were talking towards the end, we realized there were some significant problems with what we were wanting to do that almost would have made it impossible to do. And so we decided to scrap those software features. Those software features would have taken weeks to put into place just by talking for 30 minutes, having a thoughtful disagreement, right? Where people were throwing out reasons in favor of and against. We saved ourselves, you know, three hours of work or sorry, three days, three weeks of work. So, I mean, I think that's the goal of the thoughtfully disagreeing um, and taking the time is the recognition that it can ultimately produce much more value. Even if you use a little bit of time at the forefront. Yeah. I think that makes sense. I saw where you're going at the beginning arguing with a kid about the, you know, they say, they say the, the capital is, is, uh, you know, Los Angeles or something. You're like, okay, smack. 
get back in line, kid. But that's that's one thing. I think that there is a time and a place to have the have a disagreement. It's not always appropriate. And um, some people do see, like I was talking about with my relative, that we would debate, you know, almost out of sport. Like we just saw it as a fun activity. When you're in a work environment, it's this isn't about just having a disagreement or a debate just for the sake of it. You have to you have to be operating in a way where you're you're aware of is it worth it? Do I need to have this debate this time? We talked a little bit about decision making in the last episode, Micah, and you went through some some really important things to consider in terms of how flexible is the decision we're making, you know, where are we in the in the arc of time in terms of the decision making process and, and some some of those other things. Like sometimes it's just not even worth engaging in in a disagreement or or a debate on a topic because it doesn't warrant it. Right. Yeah. There's yeah, one not a lot hinges on the decision or yeah, the other the other thing we talked about was, you know, how reversible is the decision, right? If it's something you can change pretty quickly, great. Don't need to spend an hour on a topic like that. Yeah, all things to consider. So um I was hoping Micah you could give me a hand with something because Near the end of this uh, principle, Ray starts to talk about the lower level you, and I think you had some insights into this, and I wasn't entirely sure what he was referencing, honestly, but he was saying that in, in with thoughtful disagreement doesn't happen more often because of the lower level you. What is that all about? Yeah, so this is something you know Ray talks about in other portions of the book. You know, he talks about how it is our brain works, right? There's the, what we might call the higher, the higher level you and then the lower level you. The higher level you is typically your more calm, collected, rational, um, deliberative part of you. And then there's the more low, what he calls the lower level you, which is more the emotional, the reactive part of you. And, you know, he says, you know, he thinks the reason thoughtful disagreement doesn't happen more often is because lower level you, the emotional part of you, sees disagreement as conflict. And of course, you know, he talks about the evolutionary reasons why our brain developed as it does. I think you know maybe you'd point to well, yeah, when you're in disagreements with people, a lot of times it genuinely is conflict, right? You want things to be one way and they want it to be another. And it's a question who's going to be the strongest, right, or who can make their will happen, I guess. Strongest sounds like uh, it, it's a battle of uh, a physical battle or even a battle of wills. I mean, hopefully it's not the strongest in that term, in that way of meaning strong that the in strongest, you might mean it's the, it's the most well thought out or it's the uh, you've done the most research and have the most stuff to back up the perspective, the point of view you're, you're presenting really solid facts. Right. Yeah, I guess I was trying to think about, you know, a lot of times when there is disagreement, it is an occasion of conflict where, you know, you have two opposing views of you know, how you want things to go. And in in some of those cases, right, we do resort to <laughs> physical force. Not that you should, but I'm just saying you might say evolutionary, you know, if you understand evolutionary history and so on, we can see occasions where that happens. Right? Sure. Survival of the fittest, the strongest survive these sorts of concepts. Right. And so then you might wonder, well, then when we 
disagree with people, we might just naturally see that as a conflict. And that just starts maybe to engage the whole fight or flight process. And and that's clearly not what we're intending to do through the art of thoughtful disagreement. We're we're trying to do it in a way where we we aren't going to trigger someone's fight or flight. If we're if we've triggered that, we're probably doing doing it wrong. Right. Okay, Micah, we've we've been over this principle pretty thoroughly at this point. Uh, we haven't engaged in too much thoughtful disagreement. We've probably been of similar minds on on a lot of this. Why don't we wrap things up by giving the listeners some tips? Sounds good. Yeah. Um, yeah, I didn't have too many uh, disagreements with Ray on this one. But uh, yeah, one tip I had was, you know, if you're thinking about, well, how can I engage in thoughtful disagreement more? You know, one thing I would think you might be able to do is, you know, maybe if you know you're going into a meeting where people are disagreeing with one another, you know, you, you know people are on opposing sides or there's multiple uh, opposing sides, maybe start off by the meeting by just telling people, hey, you know, I want to have a thoughtful disagreement about this topic. You know, I realize I have my position. I realize you have yours. Let them know, hey, I could be wrong about this, and I want to work together with you to get at the truth. And you know, even at the beginning, tell them that at the end of the meeting, you're going to ask for them to give you tips uh, on how you could improve your thoughtful disagreement skills. One, I think that's going to help remind you that you want to engage in those thoughtful disagreement skills, right? By being calm, collegial, and so on. And I think it just sets the tone for the meeting where the people realize, okay, Micah or John, you know, they're really wanting to get at the truth here. They're not trying to be combative. Um, they're not just trying to prove themselves right, but they want to get at the truth. And so I think that could set the tone and maybe make that more likely to happen. Yeah. Uh, and, and I appreciate the the tip. I will I will slightly disagree with you on on a bit of this and my only real disagreement with it is the use of the word disagreement um because of what we what we had just finished talking about regarding fight or flight uh I sometimes fear that the use of the word disagreement triggers people that it causes them to almost uh innately take a defensive position, a defensive stance. And if the people that you're talking with, the people that you're preparing uh, for, for a disagreement, or you're proposing to them to have a thoughtful disagreement, I think they might sort of immediately go into a defensive turtle, turtle sort of mode. Now, you're trying to combat that in a, in a very thoughtful way by pointing out ahead of time, I'm doing this. But I think we we should consider, depending on the audience, consider using another term. Maybe it's maybe it's I want to have a thoughtful discussion with you. Maybe it's that I want to have, you know, I want to hear I want to hear your side of things, but I've also got my side of things that I want to share, and I'd like us to uh, to discuss these, you know, our, our different perspectives together. Uh, I, I just worry sometimes about using that word disagreement because it I, it feels to me, Micah, that it has more of a negative connotation to it than it has a positive. Yeah, I think that's a good point, John. Um, I think yeah, discussion probably is a safer word. You know, it definitely feels less polarizing for sure. More collegial. Absolutely, more collegial. We all need more 
more collegialness in our lives. All right, though, that just about does it for our episode today. In our next episode, we're going to get into principle 3.4, which says triangulate your view with believable people who are willing to disagree. There is, again, the word disagree. And uh, we'll get into that word believable some more and talk about how to find those people uh, to have that, to have more thoughtful disagreements. Thanks, Micah. Thanks, John. Thanks for listening. Let's keep the conversation going on our subreddit, Dalio's Principles at reddit.com. The subreddit is Dalio's Principles, all one word. Join us to interact with a community of like-minded individuals 